0: Hello and welcome to Propnex, the property podcast focusing on issues that impact the future of the real estate industry. I'm your host, Gavin Morgan, and in addition to looking forward to today's and future conversations, if you'd like to know a little bit more about me, please look on www.propnex.com. That's www.propnex.com. Or if you'd like to chat privately, drop me a line on gavinrmorganatpropnex.com. That's G-A-V-I-N-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at propnex.com on email. So moving on to today's podcast, I'm absolutely delighted to be introducing Guy Hollis. Guy has had a storied career in global real estate, predominantly focused on the EMEA, and Asia-Pacific regions with some of the world's most important organizations in the industry. I'm personally um, delighted to have met Guy because of how I've benefited from his counsel and good guidance way back since we met in 1996 when in fact we both worked together in Belfast, Northern Ireland. That is really the beginning of a journey that has led us here today to talk fur- to talk a little further about this market. Guy, welcome onto the show. It's terrific to have you. Yes, my pleasure. So we're also keeping it close to home and on a, on a, on a comfortable topic. We're talking about the Belfast leisure on investment market today. I suppose the obvious question, Guy, to kick off with is, how is the market recovering there generally from COVID and the sort of ongoings around the world at the moment? What's the impact? Belfast, all our restrictions have been lifted as of last, well, this week, actually. There's no more
1: masks or anything or anything around. And uh, that's pretty good news. But but the commercial market here, you would have to say it's recovering slowly from covid just to give an example of that, the last quarter's numbers for investment here, and it is a very small market, was only 42 million, uh, and it was a very low than expected. Whereas, you know, in the UK, the rest of the UK and London, they were knocking the ball out of the park and doubling with record numbers of investment spent. So I think that just is an indication that it's recovering more slowly here. And I think one of the main reasons for that is, of course, Brexit and this protocol that's just getting batted backwards and forwards. Ultimately, it's going to get sorted out and it's going to be a very good thing for Northern Ireland because you're going to have a foot in both camps. But at the moment, it's difficult and we've got
0: political instability. And in the short term, that's not helpful. Okay, that's interesting because I've heard a lot of people over the last year saying, oh, this is going to be a great thing for Northern Ireland. But obviously, the indecision and the lack of a clear path forward is uh, that's presumably causing... There's a reluctance to make decisions.
1: That they can, they didn't really realise. Both American-based, ultimately, until they came and had a proper look, that they can actually operate in EMEA and in the UK, out of Northern Ireland. And they both set up operations here. And one of them, within a year, will be employing 27 people, and another one will have about 15 people. That's a small thing, but I think that would accelerate. But I think we're going to see four or five years before we see a real benefit here. And it also, it's the job of the politicians to actually make people aware and get some programmes in place. But it's difficult to do that until they actually settle the protocol. And as you know, the government was dissolved a couple of weeks ago by the DUP. There are elections in May. And hopefully after the elections in May, or they might even call them earlier, but if they're in May, hopefully after that, we might get a little bit stability and we might go forward. But the political
0: scenario doesn't help the business yeah. scenario, unfortunately. Yeah, that is a shame. And, you know, particularly with Belfast having seen some... You know, really big investments in the last year from you know, groups from outside of the European region. Probably unlikely that that will be built on in the near term.
1: The really good things about Belfast, they, they haven't gone away. We've still got the youngest population in the UK still got a great education system albeit one of the challenges with the education system is that about 60% of the people get a great education and the other 40% they don't make it up the grade to the grammar school system except just seem to get left behind and that's something that really needs to be fixed and it's still a really really cheap place to operate from. Salaries are low, housing's really cheap relatively to the rest of Ireland and also to the UK. All those things haven't gone away in fact if anything they're becoming more and more important because the people that do relocate here they always rave about the quality of the staff and whatever. And, and the biggest one recently was, of course, PwC opening their biggest office. Uh, they actually opened the office properly about six months ago. It's the, their biggest op- office outside London. And they're doing really, really well here. And they've been recruiting heavily locally. And more importantly, a lot of people have been returning to Portland, Ireland, because they can get a great job with a big name and they can afford a nice house rather than a pokey flat in London. I mean, as I said, those things haven't gone away. I think shorter term, it's difficult here at the moment. But look forward a year, two years, three years, and I, I, I really think Lord Darnley could at last start to uh, realise its full potential.
0: Yeah, and, and Guy, you talked about the cost of living just there as well, and You know, I totally agree. Uh, But when you look at, uh, particularly when you look at the quality of life in Northern Ireland relative to what it costs to live there, I mean, in sort of given the number of places that I've lived around the world, I mean, it's a really tremendous balance. You get an awful lot for what it costs to be in the location and, you know, pretty decent people too. I mean, of course, perhaps I'm slightly biased. Yeah, fairly decent people, most of them. Um the other thing
1: people will say that settle here is how friendly everybody is. People talk to each other, they say hi to each other in the street. Things that don't tend to happen in big cities still happen here. And to an extent, in a way, they're losing that in Dublin, not the rest of Ireland, but in Dublin it's 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 not quite the same as it was. But Belfast hasn't changed from that point of view. And I don't think it's hard to get people to move here once they've been here to have a look, because it's a beautiful part of the world. The north you've got the north coast. You've got Belfast itself, you have the countryside, and you can buy really nice houses with a decent sized garden, et cetera, for relatively nothing compared to the rest of the UK. Well,
0: it's as attractive as it sounds. Uh, I mean, I know that from personal experience, but sticking with the um, guys, sticking with the theme of quality of life. And obviously that gives us an easy pivot to leisure. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Odyssey. Um, A, I mean, as you know, I mean, that was a scheme that played a big part in my early real estate career when you and I worked together back in Belfast. And probably one of the, you know, one of the toughest jobs that I worked on in my early career to cut my teeth on, you know, a big leisure complex like that in Belfast. And I'd love to hear from you what direction that's going in now and why you think it will be more successful this time. And maybe you could start that just by giving us a quick recap on what that scheme is just before you, you answer those two questions. Okay, sure. Well, it, it was the Millennium Project for Northern Ireland. Mo
1: Molan was here at the time uh, driving it forward and it was funded in various ways, but a lot of money from the Millennium Commission at the time. And it, it basically was a big arena for gigs, boxing, boxing, pop bands, et cetera. And it has a maximum capacity of about 11,000, which was quite big for Northern Ireland. And attached to that was W5, which is a learning center, educational, again, or importantly, was funded separately. And then attached to it was a leisure pavilion, which was designed at the time to be a family destination, but it never turned into that for various reasons. And the people that were running it, instead of it being a leisure destination, family orientated, they had ended up with about two bars and three nightclubs in it. Um, and some very poor restaurants. And it's over a number of years, it drove it into the ground. And then uh, when the financial crisis came, uh, it was very, very highly geared, massively over geared, And it just collapsed. The developer just, or the owner just collapsed. Uh, and the place went into administration. And I understand it was the longest administration in the UK history. KPMG just sat on it. And in the end, Deutsche Bank bought the debt from underneath it. I'm talking about the main pavilion now. And then they were just going to flick it on, but then they realized the only way to do it was to develop it out. And that's what we're involved in now is developing it out again. And let me just explain one of the best reasons why I think it will succeed this time is that in the interim of all those things going on, the people running the arena went to the wall. So the the Odyssey Trust charity itself took over the running of the arena. The ice hockey went bust. They took over the ice hockey. They've transformed it all. They run it really, really efficiently. They've also taken over W5. And very exciting for us at the same time, what, what was one of the other nightclubs is now being turned into a Google sponsored learning center. So, as a destination, you've got all those three things, and we, or through uh, Deutsche Bank or Matagorda, too. As the vehicle is called, we've managed to relet the cinema to World, who've just opened, and they've got 12 screens and an IMAX, and they spent a fortune on it. It's one of their best outlets. They opened it in December, and they told us it was their second busiest cinema in the UK over the Christmas period. And bear in mind, we've got nothing else open yet. Hollywood Bowl have taken over the bowl. They're spending three and a half million on a complete refit. Um, We are in legals for a big indoor golf and seven restaurants at the moment. There will eventually be nine restaurants and two more leisure outlets. And we believe it will be the leisure destination for the island of Ireland because the trusts who are running the arena tell us, mainly because of COVID, but where they would normally do 115, maybe 120 events a year, they're looking at doing 200 for the next two years because everybody wants to get on stage, everybody wants to perform. And then they've also transformed the ice hockey and they're getting crowds of five, seven, eight thousand going to the ice hockey. Um, so it, I really do think if it hadn't been for COVID, we'd be open now with the restaurants and all the leisure. But COVID delayed us. But by the by the summer, we'll have the place fully open. Um, and it will then, because obviously the bank won to exit, it will then be put on the market. it would be interesting to see what the leisure funds make of it. But at least we've got long leases
0: on the anchor tenants. Just again, tracking back a little bit, and for the listeners who aren't so familiar, W five is an interactive family experience that sounds like it will marry very well with the uh, Google experience that you talked about. And I
1: should say that the Odyssey Trust have actually spent five and a half million on a complete refit of that as
0: well. So, if you went there as a family two years ago, if you go there now, it's a completely different experience. So that's new as well. So it's a, so it was originally. Conceived as a family destination, but it sounds like it's basically been reimagined into, well, a very, very high-end and dynamic family destination with everything that you've talked about in there. So it sounds like it's it's just learning from the lessons of the past and doing it again with that learning um, to make it, as you said, a destination for the whole island. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. And also, I mean, the benefit with the benefit of hindsight, we've changed it quite a lot. We have doubled the size of the entrance. And also now, when you go to a, an event at the arena, as I said, they're going to be over two hundred a year. You won't go through their outdoors. It's now we've now created entrances at ground floor and first floor level, and you will enter the arena through the leisure podium. So I think that makes a huge difference. And now when you go in through the much larger entrance, instead of being greeted by a bar sticking across the front, of you open the whole thing up, and the escalators are dead ahead of you. You take escalators to the first floor. You've got the ground floor, and there's a, a, a massive interactive screen which is actually in the process of being erected on on the back wall and the whole place will actually look like the cinema one end the screen the other and then the arena entrance is on the right hand side the whole thing actually looks like an interactive destination somewhere you'd actually want to
0: go to well i mean it sounds that you're anticipating finished and open at some point in 2022 is that correct
1: yeah well the cinema are open hollywood bowl will be open by easter they're telling us hopefully Uh, And by the summer, we should have about 60 to 70% of the restaurants and one big bistro bar open, uh,
0: and the golf should be open by then as well. So by October, the place will be fully open. And that guy, obviously, it sounds for what you said, that the time there or the, the time to test the market and just sort of see how things are looking.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Sort of later in the year, hopefully the political situation, et cetera, has stabilized a little bit and... It could be another big opportunity for somebody in Belfast.
1: Well, we hope so. Yeah. But I mean, the, the investment markets, are, I mean, office yields, industrial yields are all fairly stable at the moment. But as you know, they're always a, always a point worse than the rest of the UK. Retail's continuing to weaken. But I think that's probably not just here. That's everywhere
0: at the moment. You say a point worse, but obviously from, you know, uh, particularly from a, from a purchaser and a cash flow focused purchaser perspective, I mean, it's makes Belfast sound like a relatively interesting proposition, particularly a scheme like that on that uh, intersection of all the the, the major transport routes you know, where it sits. I mean, it still seems to me that sort of with schemes like that developing, particularly the reimagination of that scheme and that sort of slight difference in yields compared to other locations that... I mean, for a certain cross-section of the investor community, it's relatively attractive compared to a lot of what else is available, particularly across the UK.
1: No, I think that's right. And uh, it was over 12 months ago now. But I mean, Saudi investors bought the PwC investment. It was quite a big deal, 87 million. That's quite a big investment for Northern Ireland. And they're getting the PwC covenant for 20 years at 5.2%, which was a very good yield for here, but then they've had to pay a lot more for it if it was anywhere else in the UK. And it's the same covenant for the same period of years. So it's the old story, isn't it? The the covenant's the covenant. doesn't really matter where it is. But here, you're getting it off a low rent, um, which means there has to be room for growth. And you're getting it off, if you're an investor, a very attractive yield. So from that point of view, it it continues to be attractive. It's just so much of the investment market here was retail-driven before. And of course, the shopping centers have all had their challenges. Uh, a number of them have changed hands, and I think a few more will change hands. But yields are nearly to around 8%, so it's uh, quite high.
0: Well, I, I would be plugging my old hometown, but it's interesting recent deals, and it still sounds like some good opportunities ahead, You know, provided the, the playing field remains uh, flat politically. And... So just ending up then, guys. Are there anything, I mean, you've talked about what the market needs really to kick on. I mean, there's a lot to happen um, around the Northern Ireland framework, et cetera. But I mean, just before we round up, are there any specific opportunities that you see ahead worth looking for on Northern Ireland from an investment perspective? I think there are. Central Belfast um, which is historically as you know because
1: of the troubles everybody moved out is really starting to pick up now and the new the Ulster University is now 75% open it will be 100% open by the midpoint of this year then you've got 15,000 students and 2,500 lecturers sitting in the middle of Belfast that weren't there before and you can see the student accommodation there are a number of finished and there are a lot more being built at the moment Belfast is still although it doesn't feel like it there is a huge Tourist opportunity here that was just starting to really take off before COVID hit. We had nearly 60 cruise ships a year were arriving in Belfast Harbour, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, and that number was 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 just going to go up and up. They are slowly coming back now, but it's taken some time. And there are some interesting uh, office schemes as well. But at the moment, we haven't got many office requirements out there. That's the same across uh, many parts of the UK. I I think central Belfast is a place that should attract a lot of investment, which really had had passed it by before. But I think this could be its opportunity. And maybe with all this instability, uh, the EU and the British government might just sit down and say, really, we haven't got time for this. Let's just settle this bloody thing and move on to more important things. So hopefully it might actually speed the protocol and everything up and just get it sorted
0: and move on. Yeah. And of course, I mean, from a, I mean, we've talked very specifically about a few things around leisure, but it's, yeah, one of the best golf tourism destinations on the planet. You're very popular with the American audience for that. I mean, it's a, I mean, the city has a much better hotel offer um, than it ever has done historically. So, you know, I would agree that the scene is set for a good recovery when the tourists come back and, I mean, there is plenty of history.
1: Yeah, we we talk without mentioning the Odyssey, but it's right next door to the Titanic exhibition, which is one of the biggest tourist attractions in Europe. Yeah. That's sitting there. And don't underestimate Game of Thrones. The Game of Thrones tours are just unbelievable. Everybody that comes here goes on the Game of Thrones tour around all the locations and the studios and everything. They, for a small place, it's got a lot to offer for the
0: tourists. Guy, I'd like to – I mean, I think that's a terrific point for us to end on in today's show. I mean, I would agree. Um, Of course, uh, it could be argued that I have some slight bias in the situation, but it doesn't just only offer a tremendous opportunity for tourists and a dynamic offer, as we've discussed, but investment opportunities are there. Returns are excellent, particularly on a cash flow basis. And it sounds like there's a lot being done at Odyssey and in other places to create further opportunities for organizations looking uh, for strong returns in in a market like uh, Belfast, a market like Northern Ireland. Thanks again for joining us on today's show and looking forward to having you back on here again soon. So that's a wrap for today's podcast. And it just leaves it for me to thank you very much for tuning in and listening to our conversation. And as I mentioned at the beginning, if you'd like any information uh, or you want to have a chat, uh, drop me a line on Gavin R. Morgan at uh, propnext.com, G-A-V-I-N-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at propnext.com. Or there's more information as i said earlier too on www.propnex.com. that's www.propnext.com i look forward to speaking with you in future podcasts hopefully and thank you again for your time